This is Coast to Coast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys. One from each coast, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. It's Wednesday, September 14th, 2005. We're glad you could listen today on our show, Coast to Coast. I'm Jay Craig Williams from Southern California. And this is Robert Ambrogi from Massachusetts. And Bob, you write a blog. I write a blog called Law Sites at www.legalline.com slash law sites. And I write a blog called May It Please the Court and it's at mayitpleasethecourt.com. Today's topic that we're going to be talking about is a real tough one. Hurricane Katrina is still dealing a blow on the people in Louisiana and Mississippi, and the devastation has ravaged the land, destroyed the homes and lives as well as businesses, leaving many in distress, including a lot of our lawyer friends. That's right. Our, our hearts go out to, to the people uh, along the Gulf Coast uh, as we watch the, the pictures of the, of the struggles uh, that many have faced uh, uh, our sympathies are with the people there. Today we're going to talk about uh, the aftermath of Katrina and its impact on, on the legal profession, on, on lawyers, their clients, uh, and the courts. Well, from one account, some 5,000 to 6,000 lawyers, I think somewhere around a third of the lawyers in Louisiana, have lost their offices, their libraries, their computers, with all of their information, their client files, and some of their clients have moved out. They're scattered from Florida, Arizona, and at this point, some have nothing to return to. Uh, The children's schools are gone, and optimistically, the school systems in eight of the parishes won't be reopened until after December, from what I've heard, and they're Everyone is relocating their lives. It's a very sobering account. But our guests today are going to help us sort through the aftermath of Katrina in the legal community, uh, even addressing some of the court issues, because I understand the Fifth Circuit and some of the local courts have had similar difficulties. Uh, some firsthand accounts for the devastation, as well as in two individuals who have uh, participated in that, and some individuals that uh, we'll talk about that have helped some of the others in their time of need. Craig, I'd like to uh, introduce our first guest today. Our, our introduction uh, talks about us as top bloggers in the legal community, but everybody knows the top blogger in the legal community is, is Ernie Svensson, uh, well-known as Ernie the Attorney. Uh, he's the person who, who uh, inspired me to get started blogging when I started reading him uh, a few years ago. Ernie uh, is, of course, a lawyer, uh, and he practices in New Orleans with the firm Gordon Arata McCollum, Duplantis, and Egan. Uh, and Ernie was uh, there in uh, New Orleans when Katrina hit. So uh, we're going to talk to Ernie a little bit about his experiences. Welcome to the show, Ernie. Oh, thank you for having me. And thanks for the nice but over-the-top statements. <laughs> the other top blogger that we'd like to welcome, and we're going to have to talk to the producers about calling us the top bloggers, but uh, is the author of the blog Minor Wisdom. It's Raymond Ward. He's at RaymondPWard.typepad.com, and he's an appellate lawyer with Adams and Reese LLP in New Orleans. About every other semester, he moonlights as a legal writing instructor for the University of New Orleans English Department. Please welcome Raymond P. Ward, quoting from his blog this week, I have a working telephone, a rented desk, and I'm 
metal metal folding chair. In an email that he sent to me, he said, you're going to have to communicate with me by BlackBerry because that's the only computer I have. Well, uh, thanks for having me, and um, things have improved uh, since then. I now have my own computer. Um, so, uh, you know, every day things get a little better. Ernie, Ernie, I wonder if we could just start uh, hearing a little bit from you about, about what happened. You were there when Katrina hit, and what, what were you doing, and, and what did you do? Well, what I wasn't doing fast enough was leaving town. Um, I waited a little too long uh, to get out of town, and by the time I left, which is around uh, 12.30 um, on Sunday, um, I quickly listened to the weather reports and tried to figure out the best strategy to get out of town. I called a friend of mine who um, who was appropriately named Mace, and I figured somebody named Mace would have a really clear idea of, uh, you know, the battle plan to get out of town. And he had, a, he had a very specific battle plan, which was to go against the grain and go east. Um, and I thought that was kind of strange, but, you know, you heard everybody saying everybody was going west, so I thought maybe that would work. Raymond, let's ask you what was going on in your situation. Well, um, as of Saturday, uh, uh, you know, I was very nervous about uh, the hurricane because it looked like it was drawing a beat on New Orleans. And I was watching um, the uh, National Hurricane Center's uh, website. I had their RSS feed, which I checked about, oh, every five or ten minutes. Um, But I didn't really decide to evacuate until uh, Sunday morning. And when, again, I looked at, looked at some uh, news things on the computer and looked at what the National Hurricane Center was saying, and, um, you know, I became very concerned when I, I saw that the mayor ordered a mandatory evacuation of New Orleans. Uh, that is something that has never happened in my entire lifetime. <laughs> so I told my wife, look, we've got, we got to get out of here. So we, we uh, herded the cats. We have four cats into their carriers, <laughs> loaded them into the, the car, and had about 10 minutes to pack, and um, we hit the road. Uh, also, I checked my um, my firm's uh, email. Uh, we have we have an offices in, in several cities: uh, Jackson, Birmingham, um, Baton Rouge, and Houston. To see if, and uh, I, I saw that there are many of our partners in other cities who are offering to shelter. Um, any New Orleans lawyers who who are who need a place to go, so I uh, phoned someone uh, in Jackson, and you know said, uh, "Can we come there?" And they said, "Yes, by all means." So we had a you know with the destination of Jackson, uh, Mississippi, we uh, hit the road right around I guess just before noon, going west uh, on I-10 to and then from there to I-55 to Jackson. Uh, what normally is about a three and a half hour drive took about eight and a half hours um, with uh, all the traffic that they had there, um, which compared to prior evacuations for hurricanes Ivan and George was actually relatively good. Uh, the traffic flowed pretty well for most of the way. There were a couple of bottlenecks that really added to the drive time. Uh, but we got to Jackson about, uh, uh, I guess, 8.39 that night. Ernie, you, you were heading the opposite direction, is that? Yeah, I was heading the opposite direction, and I made it I made it 15 miles in about four hours, and I decided I was too tired and I didn't have enough gas. My friend Mace's judgment was becoming questionable. And uh, so I turned back and went to my dad's condo, which is sort of a concrete pillbox. And I knew I could survive there, so that's where I wrote it out. 
in, where have you ended up? Where are you now, and what are you doing? Um, well, I, I'm in Houston in our firm's office here. We opened up a Houston office about a year ago, and so we have some space here, and Houston's a nice town. I have lots of friends here, so I'm uh, leading, leading a somewhat nomadic life, going from friend to friend house and working at the Houston office. Well, both of you work for larger law firms. Have you learned of any experience with some of the solo or small practitioners? Yeah, I've heard of a couple of them. I mean, for one thing, we've had to try to get in touch with lawyers who have cases. Um, and one of them, in one of the tobacco cases I'm involved in, was a small uh, law firm guy, and we tracked him down by email. The Louisiana State Bar Association allows you to go online and update your contact information. And in his case, he had not updated it, but, but we could see what his email address was, and we got it emailed him, and he um, showed up and said, you know, he was fine and he was having trouble, you know, reestablishing his law practice, but he was out there alive and safe. Yeah. If I could chime in on that, the um, uh, the the URL for lawyers to do that is www.ladb, for a Louisiana Attorney Disciplinary Board, dot org. Uh, org. I just updated my conf- uh, contact information this morning on on that database. Well, blogs and and uh, the internet and maybe even some listservs or other sources have provided some means of communication. As already mentioned, there's email. How are the two of you communicating with other lawyers in the courts now? Um, well. Um I haven't really. I don't know. Maybe you should answer that because I haven't really had a, had an opportunity to officially communicate with the courts yet. Well, my my, my next uh, court appointment is uh, this coming Monday for uh, an oral argument in an appeal at the Louisiana Court of Appeal for the First Circuit. Uh, that's located here in Baton Rouge, and um, uh, you know I, I intend to be at that argument. Uh, they they are open for normal business. Uh, the uh, Louisiana Supreme Court is closed. Um, it says through September 9. I think they've set up shop at the Louisiana First Circuit. Um, the courts of appeal, they're located in Orleans and Jefferson Parish, are closed through October 1. Uh, I haven't had to communicate with those courts yet. They, they do have some contact information available. Um, I think that people can get to it probably through the Louisiana Supreme Court website. Yeah, the Louisiana First Circuit Court of Appeal also has a website at www.la-fccca. FCCA.org, uh, which has a lot of information on what's going on with the courts in that state. What about your What about your clients? Uh, can either of you speak to what What's been the uh, impact on your clients, and, and have you been in touch with any clients? Well, I had a really interesting call yesterday. We represent um, Popeyes and churches, uh, which used to be based in um, New Orleans when Al Copeland ran the company, but they moved to Atlanta a while back and. They called and they want to um, put money into New Orleans. They want to help rebuild New Orleans. They want to um, you know, do that for humanitarian as well as business reasons. And the, you know, it was really encouraging to hear them talk about how they've uh, accommodated their employees, their managers, their franchisees, how hard they're working to try to figure out what the best thing that they can do to start, you know, kickstarting the economy. And they have some legal questions, but really their first uh, priority was just helping the business climate reestablish itself. Yeah, I've heard from a few of my uh, 
clients, and mostly the inquiries have been personal ones. You know, how are you? Are you okay? Is your family okay? That kind of thing. And it's uh, gratifying to know that, um, you know, we have that kind of relations with people where they, uh, you know, where, you know, we have care for each other as persons rather than as a, a total business transaction. Um, as far as communicating with clients, I've, uh, the BlackBerry's been available uh, throughout. Our firm has had an emergency email system that's been functioning pretty much since the hurricane hit that we've been using to communicate with each other and to reestablish our uh, New Orleans office pretty much in Baton Rouge. Um, yeah, we're using the same system. In fact, we were, <laughs> we were looking at that system because I was talking to one of Ray's partners who's a, who's a techie guy named Jeff Richardson about a couple of months ago about Message One and what they do, and it's a pretty cool concept. They, Is that the system you're using, Message that's One? That's what we're using now, yeah, and that's what Adams and Reese you know, had mm-hmm. in place before this started. Well, we've heard that many of the files and some of the court files and even some of the client files have been destroyed. But is that a rumor or speculation? What's your experience with that? Not for us, but I bet you that for some lawyers, yeah, because if they're on the first floor um, or they're operating out of the house, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, our our physical files are, are okay. They're pretty high up in One Shell Square, and they're well out of range of looters. They have to climb 43 flights to get to the first one. So uh, they, those files are okay. A lot of them are still in New Orleans. Some of them have been brought, brought to Baton Rouge. Personally, I have most of my files in our document management system. I scan everything or just dump everything into that system. And we got that system back online um, within the last uh, 48 hours. So I have access to my files electronically. Um, the paper's still back in uh, New Orleans, but that's okay. I, I, I can function with the electronic system. We're, we're running out of time, but I wonder if you guys have any thoughts on lessons you've learned uh, from this that would apply to, to, to lawyers or, or to non-lawyers. Scan all your documents and back them up and take the backup tapes with you when you see this in the Gulf. <laughs> yeah. For, for myself, I've learned to, uh, I guess, uh, uh, take joy in some of the little things, and that maybe we take for granted. Um, you know, having a place to work, having a having a home. What can lawyers do to help you across the country? I mean, what what would you ask other lawyers to do at this point for lawyers in New Orleans? Um, I think you know the the, the the Louisiana State Bar Association is probably going to be setting up some um, page on their website, and I think that they should check there. Um, probably Ray and I's blogs will have information. You know, just I would, I would for myself. I would say that um, you know, please continue to have confidence in our ability to um, handle the work. I mean, you know, there are a lot of lawyers here who have taken a pretty good lick from Katrina and have gotten back in business. I, I have a, a solo practitioner who's handling my mother's succession, and I got an email from her yesterday saying she set up office in uh, West Baton Rouge, gave her contact information, et cetera. So, uh, you know, please uh, continue to have confidence in us because uh, we, we're, we're rocking along. We can still do the work. Ernie and Ray, we'd really like to thank you for uh, taking time to talk with us today, and thanks for being guests on the show. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll introduce uh, guests uh, from Texas who will tell us about uh, the situation there where a number of lawyers have uh, have set up uh, at least temporary shop.
We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. Welcome back to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Bob Ambrogi in Massachusetts. And I'm Craig Williams in Southern California. Thanks for joining us. Today we're talking about the aftermath of Katrina and its effects on the legal community. Many lawyers have moved their law offices to Texas. I'd like to introduce uh, our first of three guests for this segment, uh, Attorney Kelly Frells. Uh, Kelly is a senior partner at the firm Bracewell and Giuliani, and a former president of the State Bar of Texas, a past chair of, of many bar committees, and uh, is also chairing the State Bar of Texas Katrina Relief Task Force. Uh, welcome to the program, Kelly. Thank you very much. Great to be here. And our next guest is the senior partner at Rodriguez, Colvin, Cheney, and Sains, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, a nationally recognized firm for over 50 years practicing throughout the southern half of Texas. Attorney Eduardo Roberto Rodriguez is the current president of the State Bar of Texas. Hello, Eduardo. Good morning to you all. Finally, we're honored to have uh, Justice Dale Wainwright of the Texas Supreme Court. Uh, Justice Wainwright was elected to the court in November 2002 after serving as presiding judge of the uh, 334th Civil District Court, Harris County. Uh, before his appointment to the bench, Justice Wainwright practiced in the trial sections of the firms of Haynes and Boone and Andrews and Kurth in Houston. Uh, Justice Wainwright is also the Texas Supreme Court's liaison to the state bar, and he has a long history of public service. Welcome to the program, Justice Wainwright. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. So how much of the legal business from the Gulf Coast is going to be handled in Texas? Well, we are not sure, but our best estimate uh, is that a 1,000 lawyers from Louisiana are now residing in Texas. And Justice Wainwright, you've uh, the, the the court has issued an order authorizing uh, displaced lawyers to practice in Texas. Can you tell us uh, tell us about that order and what that means for these lawyers? Well, certainly. Um, immediately after the hurricane hit the three uh, primarily affected states, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. The State Bar here in Texas, Eduardo Rodriguez as its president, appointed Kelly Frails, as you mentioned, to head the Katrina Task Force, the Katrina Relief Task Force. Uh, those two gentlemen, on behalf of the State Bar, contacted the court <coughs> through me and asked if there was something that we could do uh, to address the situation of having so many lawyers having to relocate to Texas on a temporary basis, at least for the time being, that may turn into more of a permanent situation. And the court moved very quickly to consider appropriate action. We 
issued an order on September 2nd, just a few days after the hurricane, that provides a 30-day moratorium on the unauthorized practice of law. That is, lawyers who are relocating from these three affected states due to the hurricane to Texas can practice law as they would have in their home states in Texas temporarily without the threat of being prosecuted for practicing law in Texas without being licensed. And what do the lawyers need to do to accomplish that? Uh, for the first 30-day period, uh, nothing. Uh, the order requires no action on behalf of the displaced lawyers. Uh, it is uh, our uh, provision of an opportunity for them to get their feet on the ground, uh, take care of family matters, find out uh, how relatives are, what's happening with their homes, uh, and additionally take care of client needs, preventing cases from being dismissed in various courts, uh, take care of other perhaps transactional needs without having to worry about being prosecuted during this 30-day period. At the end of this 30-day moratorium, I believe it ends October 2nd, our court, the Texas Supreme Court, will consider additional appropriate action. Uh, right now we're looking at various options uh, to uh, both uh, provide some relief and accommodation to the clients of these displaced lawyers and the lawyers, and at the same time uh, keep an eye on the integrity of the bar in the state of Texas. And, w- and the state bar is uh, is looking at um, the uh, what items to... Um uh, present to the court uh, for their consideration in uh, after the end of this uh, original order, uh, such as um, a registration uh, method, uh, so that we can keep track of the lawyers and and uh, other items uh, to consider length and so forth of um, of the order and what um, <clears throat> what. Uh, Types of law they could practice in the state, um, uh, so so that we can make a um, another request to the court uh, to extend the um, uh, that order beyond October the second. We will present something to the court on behalf of the state bar uh, in the in the next uh, couple of weeks. Mr. Frells, uh, what uh, is this task force doing? Uh, looking at any other actions with respect to the uh, lawyers who've uh, relocated to Texas? Yes, we've got a number of uh, activities going. We're operating a clearinghouse for housing, offices, computers, and things of that nature. The the lawyers of the state of Texas have really opened their doors uh, to these displaced lawyers and even made computers and office space available at no cost to them. Uh, We're actually put up uh, many uh, local bars and the state bar are uh, coordinating uh, people who want to uh, seek employment. And, uh, of course, then the licensing issues that we're working with the, uh, with the uh, court on. But it's, uh, it's really amazing to see the number of lawyers who are up and functioning already uh, by virtue of housing uh, with uh, Texas lawyers. And, of course, there are a lot of uh, law firms in, Louis- in New Orleans itself who have offices in Texas. And so a lot of those lawyers are, have simply moved into the offices of their firm in Houston, Dallas, Austin, wherever they might be. Uh, you all should know that within the first week um, after the storm hit, uh, lawyers in Texas had uh, 
accumulate over 100,000 square feet of uh, space that they had offered um, to the lawyers in Louisiana, uh, I think it has um, uh, increased significantly since then, but that, that was just in the first week. In addition to that, lawyers throughout the state uh, made their homes uh, uh, available to to lawyers uh, throughout the state, and that's part of the clearinghouse that um, Kelly's uh, task force is um, is supervising and uh, that uh, is being taken advantage of by lawyers uh, at this time. Yeah, and a lot of it's being done by the local bars, like the Houston Bar, the Dallas Bar, the Austin Bar, uh, that we're working in cooperation with. Also, schooling. Uh, there are a lot of kids that need to get in school. There are private schools that are taking kids. There are public schools, of course, that are taking the children. So uh, a lot of lawyers are involved in, in in that activity as well, particularly for the lawyers who are displaced and, and are here in Texas. How's the relocation of law students from Tulane and Loyola happening? Well, it's been very interesting that the deans of the law schools throughout the uh, United States have really opened their doors. Uh, so far away as Oregon, Washington, uh, and, and others. Here in Texas, at the University of Texas, they have 61 uh, law students. The University of Houston in Houston is establishing with Loyola a, a school within a school where Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, or Sunday, whichever those days, uh, the uh, professors from Loyola are actually going to be teaching classes in the facilities of the University of Houston. And that, so they'll be running their law school basically out of the University of Houston. That's great. Justice Wainwright, what will be the impact uh, on the courts in Texas of all of this? And are the courts in Texas doing uh, anything to, to help the courts in the neighboring states? Uh, let, me, let me mention one brief follow-up about law students and law schools in Texas. As, sure. as I understand it, I think all the Texas law schools uh, have made arrangements to accept law students from the affected areas and, and try to help in that situation. That, Kelly that's mentioned correct. a couple yes. of specific examples, and I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's great. Um, as for how the courts will be affected here in Texas, um, we don't really know. Um, certainly there uh, are pending matters in Texas courts that were being handled by lawyers from Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama who've been displaced, uh, believing that judges are human too, and I know that may be a big assumption to some people. I think it's true. <laughs> I, I think these trial judges will understand that and to the extent there are deadlines coming up and motions that are pending. They will do what's just and right in those situations. Um, we have not seen a need to take any uh, system-wide action as a Supreme Court to try to address any uh, specific matters or categories of matters pending in our trial courts. Uh, let me mention one other thing, and I think this is also very heartening. Uh, a number of Supreme Courts of states have, after our lead, taking act taken action to help address the situation of these uh, folks in these three states, the Supreme Courts of Arizona, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi, and South Carolina have all issued orders that, uh, in some manner, try to accommodate the people that are in such dire straits after the hurricane. 
That's good. I've noticed that the National Center for State Courts is also coordinating some of these efforts and, and has a web page devoted to providing information on some of this, which I can mention at the end of the program. The uh, Supreme Court of Mississippi has also uh, entered an order uh, that affects uh, lawyers from outside the state providing pro bono services in Mississippi. And uh, <clears throat> I think that's up on the website, too. I, I know that the Supreme Court of Louisiana is considering a, a similar order. Let me just say uh, one other thing. Uh, we have sent a blast email to all of our uh, members and uh, are following it up with a letter and and a president's column in the October Bar Journal uh, detailing uh, the local uh, bar providers who are providing services uh, in Texas to Louisiana residents, but also advising them of the bar foundations in uh, Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana to which Texas lawyers uh, can donate um, to assist the lawyers in those states uh, to try and get back on their feet. Uh, we've had emails um, from lawyers in those areas saying, you know, my office uh, computers are all gone and uh, can you all help? And so um, we're asking all of our members uh, to see what they can do in that regard and we look forward to uh, trying to help uh, all of these lawyers and and the people from those states to provide services to them. That's terrific, and we really appreciate the three of you participating in our program this morning. And just to mention, uh, while we were off, before we got started, there are three websites that we would like to point uh, lawyers to. One is texasbar.com for information from Texas. The other one from uh, the Justice Wainwright mentioned is for the Texas Supreme Court, and that is at supreme.courts.state.tx.us. Are there any other ones that you gentlemen would like to mention? Well, we have uh, all of our local bars uh, have websites, uh, San Antonio, Dallas, uh, Houston, Austin, that uh, can be accessed. Um, uh, but if they go to the TexasBar.com, uh, that's basically can um, uh, they can uh, connect to all of those other areas. And all of those local bars um, have have committees and people uh, helping uh, already and have been for uh, a week and a half uh, answering questions from from uh, the citizens of these states that have evacuated to our state. Wonderful, Bob. Would you like to mention some sites? Well, I, I did want to actually mention a couple of sites. So, of course, the American Bar Association put up a site, Hurricane Disaster, Hurricane Katrina Disaster Relief at www.abanet.org slash Katrina. Uh, the Louisiana State Bar uh, has a site that's really kind of emerged as a, as a leading portal for information on, uh, on uh, all of this, and that's at www.lsba.org. Uh, and of course, uh, for lawyers needing uh, help with technology and management issues, uh, a group of lawyers have gotten together and created a site called Help Katrina Lawyers, which is at www.helpkatrinalawyers.org. Hey, if I can just tell you uh, one last thing, uh, we sent some of our staff um, uh, immediately uh, from our state bar to Louisiana to help. Uh, them uh, because their staff were scattered all over, uh, of course, trying to help their families. And so uh, we were there for about uh, five or six days helping them set up their website and so forth. So uh, we just uh, 
everybody know that Texas has uh, been right away uh, in the forefront of trying to help all of the lawyers and the people in these affected areas. I think I think that's very clear. <laughs> and there's a there's there's a follow up to this about uh, what we should do in the future that uh, probably is good for another program sometime. We plan on following that program up. That's a good suggestion, Kelly, because it's something that is worthwhile and certainly will be going on for a long period. And I'm wondering whether this will actually turn into a national movement of admitting lawyers to other states across the country. Well, thank you very much, Justice Wainwright. Thank you, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. And thank you, Kelly Frells, for participating in today's program. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. And thank you all for having us. Well, Bob, it's really hard to talk about regular legal news after this discussion, but there is some. Do you want to cover a couple of quick points? Of course, the Roberts uh, nomination hearing uh, got postponed from last week and picked up this week. Uh, and uh, from a from a blog perspective, something that's interesting going on there is that Tom Goldstein, who runs the SCOTUS blog, last week we had his his, uh, his compatriot Lyle Denniston on the show, uh, Tom is live blogging uh, from the Roberts hearings on the SCOTUS blog, uh, and uh, so you can follow uh, moment by moment what's going on there uh, through Tom Goldstein's blog and get some commentary from him as well. It seems that uh, Judge Roberts is really holding his own with uh, some of the senators, and actually I think from what I've read, uh, he's being credited with giving kind of an, an extemporaneous performance that's frequently better than the scripted performance from the senators. He is doing well, and uh, you know, as we discussed uh, before, I think the focus now is is uh, is shifted to who's going to be the next nominee and what kind of a challenge will they face. Certainly, an interesting topic that I'm sure we're going to be covering in a future show. Just a couple other quick sites uh, to mention about helping legal some of the lawyers in the legal community in New Orleans and the surrounding states. Uh, it's NOLA Help dot com n o l a help dot com slash give help and of course the American Red Cross uh, is always a good source for contributions. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And All right. We'll see you next week. Talk to you next week, Craig. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Gee Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.